find it a little difficult to say what the subject matter is going to be because it's too fundamental to give it a title. I'm going to talk about what there is. See, I'm a philosopher and I'm not going to argue very much because if you don't argue with me, I don't know what I think. So if we argue, I say thank you because though going to the courtesy of your taking a different point of view, I understand what I mean. Hello and welcome to the Citizen Philosophy Podcast. I'm Jay and today I have Olivia Coombs, who is a PhD student studying the philosophy of time travel and how it affects free will. And we get in this mind-bendy conversation about time travel, movies and TV shows, the paradoxes of time travel, and free will. So this is one of those fun, weird conversations. So I will save the preamble and introduce you to Olivia Coombs. Today on the podcast, I have Olivia Coombs, who is a, a PhD student studying the philosophy of time travel. Olivia, thank you for joining the Citizens Philosophy Podcast. Thank you for having me on. It's such a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. So I, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, like time travel, like, first of all, I, I, I need to figure out where to file the complaint that no one told me I can go and study the <laughs> philosophy of time travel and maybe potentially, you know, make a career of sorts out of it. So how did you even, what, how yeah. did you figure that out? <laughs> tell, tell me your secret. It's such a, it's such a kind of random chance story of how I like got into the philosophy of time travel it actually started so yeah I'm a PhD student now but it started right in my undergraduate and I was studying at Cardiff University in Wales in the United Kingdom and one of my lecturers in my second year uh, came in in my second year a wonderful lady called Dr Stephanie Rennick she's at Glasgow now and she came in as a lecturer and she taught me for my metaphysics course, so a general introduction to metaphysics, so the, the kind of philosophy of what there is and what it's like and all the kind of ontological questions and stuff. And she came in my first, my first lecture and she was like, I am Dr. Stephanie Rennick and I am a philosophy of time travel. And I was like, what? So there's me, like a little 20-year-old, 19-year-old student. And I'm like, I've never heard of this before. I didn't know this was a thing that you could do in philosophy. And yeah, she said that, you know, she was going to teach us kind of the standard metaphysics course, but throw in some philosophy of time travel as well, because that's what she was into. And then it turns out like, I mean, who wouldn't be, but I got really, I got hooked. And in my final year, she she taught a specific philosophy of time travel course. So it allowed me to kind of go in more depth into the issues and the problems and the fun of philosophy of time travel. And I mean, ever since then, I've just been I've just been hooked. And I was very grateful that, and, and lucky that at Edinburgh, the university I'm at at the moment, there was another time travel expert. And apparently they're everywhere. But that's, <laughs> that's amazing. And yeah. Uh, he was like super, he was super happy to um, have me on board, Dr. Alistair Richmond, another wonderful philosopher of time travel. And uh, yeah, fast forward four, five years, here, here I am still, still that's, studying. That's incredible. Yeah. So I guess I'm curious because I, I saw you're interested in the philosophy of time travel and free will, which yeah. is another one of my favorite topics and maybe um, like the most infamous topic in philosophy yeah. where people either <laughs> love or hate debating free will. But, and that, that's just like an extra bonus. When I, when I heard you first, I was, uh, didn't realize that's like an interest of yours. But I'm curious if some, if in part you're interested in the philosophy of time travel, like, is there even a theoretical goal of like, a, do you want to be a you know, film advisor? Do you, are you trying to, you know, prepare in case, you know, time travelers actually show up? Like what's, do you even have like a specific, <laughs> specific thing? Yeah. Cause I, I, I've heard you have an aversion for some types of time travel and I, I want to see where the yeah, conversation should steer. I don't. It's interesting. Yeah. I would, I would, I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned to be, me being like a, an expert on in like the media of time travel, I guess. That's something that I've always really wanted to do is just advise 
advise films and TV shows on how wrong they are and just tell them that, you know, all this all this fun stuff that you think you can do with time travel, you can't actually do. I'm sorry. It, it, like a, you a may... professional buzzkill. Yeah, basically. I think that's the plan. Like, just go, go to the people who wrote Back to the Future and tell them that they were just wrong. <laughs> but here, so I, I, I'm okay with people critiquing Back to the Future about its time travel. Like, yeah. But within that universe, like, did you still enjoy the movie? Oh, right? yeah. I mean, it's, okay. it's, it's a fun film, but I have to say, studying time travel for so long has made me a real, like, Grinch <laughs> about, like, terrible time travel films um, and TV shows. And there's so many that just get it, like, completely wrong because they think that they can use time travel as, like, a sexy plot device but it's really not that sexy at all <laughs> it's, it's super boring um like the consistency of, to make it uh consistent logical yeah. yeah of course of course us philosophers are there being like mm, oh, this is this is like painful to watch certain things is the problem is that it's just not consistent within its own universe or that you don't know enough about the universe or that you expect it to be the most closely matching to what we know about physics it's, 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 yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff that time travel. I, I guess one could argue that, you know, any version that you even sign off on, like, okay, this time travel is enough. That too breaks apart from what we know is possible. Yeah. So isn't that just another, just lighter version of like doing something wrong? Yeah, so there's, it's interesting. There's like, I don't know how like technical to go, but oh, there's... Oh, as much as you Oh, own. God, okay. So in philosophy, uh, there's like different forms of possibility, right? Going from like weak to strong possibility. And okay. like strong possibility is like physical possibility. And weak possibility is logical or metaphysical possibility. And then you mm. have like nomological possibility in there as well. Nomological meaning like in accordance with our laws of nature. So... I mean, it's, it's, it's good to preface what I do by saying that I am only discussed in time travel in terms of like the weakest form of possibility, i.e. logical possibility. And that means logical possibility is just basically like, does it entail contradictions? Is it self-contradictory? Is it consistent in terms of the logical laws? So law of non-contradiction, all the boring like three main logical laws or whatever <laughs> there are. Physical possibility is something that I don't work with because that's for the scientists, right? They can determine whether time travel is actually actually physically possible yeah. in accordance with like relativity and things like that. So if if someone is like to me, is time travel possible? I'm like, yeah, logically. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really boring answer because I'm I don't think time travel will ever be physically possible. I mean I don't, if it's not physically, if, I mean, there's the big question, like, where are the time travelers and, and things like that? And the right. classic, like, Stephen Hawking had his party, his time travel birthday right. party and was like, I, I, all my, if time travel is possible, come to this date or whatever. And no one, no one showed May, up. Maybe just no one wanted to come to his time travel party. Like, why wouldn't you want to come to Stephen Hawking's time travel party? I know. Because time travelers in the future are really weird and maybe they... I think that's know. like ultimate proof that time travel doesn't, <laughs> is not possible. Is that no one came I'm with to his you. Party. I'm with you. So, I mean, this is... This is so when I'm looking at, at the films, when I'm looking at the TV shows, I'm not being like, oh, does this work in accordance with like physical laws and physics and stuff like that? I'm looking at whether it's internally consistent, i.e. is it logically possible, which is different right. to physical possibility because physical possibility is about like whether it actually, you know, can actually happen in accordance right. with our physical laws. And I'm not sure it can because... Right. I right. mean, there's like loads of science that I can get into about how in, in general and in special relativity, you just can't have the proper like light cones turn in to make time go backwards and all that boring stuff. Right, right. I'm probably going to ask you about specific movies and TV shows, but I think the ones that ha the one that has tried the most uh, is probably Interstellar. But even that, you know, kind of used a lot of weird, weird nuances yes. to, to try to do that. 
So I've watched it. I watched it a while ago. <laughs> the, the problem with like Christopher Nolan films is like they're just far too long. So I always turn off after a while. Oh, wow, and I actually okay. haven't watched Tenant. I haven't either. So don't yeah, say anything okay. about it. Well, I yes. haven't. So like all my friends are telling me that I really should watch it because okay. it's about like entropy and time travel. And I'm like, I don't know. How is that going to work? Like. <laughs> It's, I mean, you know, I, I did enjoy Interstellar. In fact, he is probably my, my favorite director. I, I, I can stand his, despite my short attention span, I actually, he keeps me captivated. And just the same, it's funny, I don't know if you're aware, but I do have two podcasts. One of is this philosophy podcast. The other one is a lucid dreaming podcast. Yeah, and he saw. did a movie about lucid dreaming. Yeah, exactly. Which That's is, super you know, cool. So he's really checking all the boxes for me. But I know he worked with Kip Thorne, like trying to do yeah. at least a science with both the within relativity type of time travel, meaning like the movie Flight of the Navigator. Have you ever seen that? No. I, I know it's before your time, but <laughs> the idea that if somebody uh, travels close to or, or at the speed of light and come back, time for them will move very shortly, yeah. but time for other people. So it's, it's not even going uh, time traveling into the future, but rather getting there in a short amount of time. Right. Yeah. It's not like he's traveling into the future, but for them, it feels like they traveled into the future in 20 minutes or an hour. Yeah. Something. So there's an interesting. So the main philosopher that we kind of look at or like not the main philosopher, but the kind of the one that started it all in terms of philosophy of time travel. It's a guy called David, Lewis. Stuart, David Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful paper. 19, have you have you read the paradoxes of time travel? I, I, I read through it a bunch. Like the only version I found is like this PDF that is split into two columns. And yeah, just that's, a headache no, yeah that's, that's classic. <laughs> yeah. But he, he has this wonderful distinction between personal and external time. And that's his definition of time travel is, is when you have a discrepancy between personal and external time, you can discern that some time travel has happened. I, in I some like that. And yeah. personal time is, uh, he says, time, travel, time on the time traveler's like wristwatch. An external time is, is is time like of of the the vicinity. So like GMT, for example. I mean, I'm right. in, I'm in yes. GMT, so I don't know. Yeah. Almost even maybe a discrepancy between personal time and somebody else's personal time. Yeah, yeah, I think. But but which I, for you would be external time, sort of. So yeah, exactly. So as you know, a time problem may have traveled like twenty minutes on their according to their wristwatch, but a hundred years in external time or something like that. And right. according to Lewis, this, this discrepancy is, is what uh, happens when, when time travel happens. And, and it kind of takes away from, I don't know if you've heard the like classic, like, but we're time traveling every day. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. And you know, that, there isn't it, that one, discrepancy. One minute per minute. Yeah. yeah. But because there isn't that discrepancy between personal and external time when you are like traveling into the future at, at one, one second, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you can, yeah, according to Lewis's definition, time travel has, has not happened. I mean, this is just one definition, like, but it is uh, in, in the philosophy sphere, the time travel of philosophy sphere. This is the kind of one that is, that is we count this as like the, the oracle of, of right. time travel definitions for sure. It makes sense to me. And I think it's, it's as useful a definition. Like I haven't heard a better one, mm -hmm. right? About discrepancy between personal time and external or objective objective time. yeah objective time is not a thing <laughs> no 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 that's yeah that's a problematic uh, yeah term, this, this uh, is this is like my supervisor and myself we're all like this is the this is the the the, the thing that about lewis that we we are a bit like they're about because he describes he like quote for quote describes external time as time itself but you know when you have like <laughs> time is relative and all these kinds of things that's not quite the definition we you know what he means but yeah um, yeah yeah it, it it almost sounds like a circular logic. It's or, yeah. or you know something pointing to itself. It's it's yeah. it's, a, it's problematic. Yeah. But 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 I I do get what he means and, and and does make sense to me. But I'm curious. So in part, are you trying to? So I, I do want to get into free will a little bit, mm -hmm. and then we'll get into the some other weird stuff like possible universes. But I'm curious if you if you enjoy you know mentally tinkering with with various. Like, what would the universe need to be like for this version of time travel to work? 
Or do you always go like, no, no, no. Here's the only version, only version of the universe in which time travel could work or time travel into the past at least could work. And everything else just doesn't, doesn't make sense. Yeah. So it's interesting. So my, my whole thing is I like start with the assumption that time travel is possible, is logically possible. And right. then I do my free will stuff. So my, my thesis has this big main assumption that I don't really defend that much. I'm not like time travel <laughs> because it's generally assumed now, like since Lewis and, and a lot of people have written responses or replies, but most have kind of concurred that time travel is logically possible. And a lot of people are like, well, a, a, a universe in which time travel is physically possible is a very strange universe, right? It, it's got weird laws, weird laws of nature, which is why a lot of people are like, it's probably not this universe <laughs> right here. But at least you can, you can, we can get as far as to say that there isn't this contradictory nature of, uh, of time travel, to time travel. Because the main, like, the main argument in philosophy against the logical possibility of time travel is the, is the grandfather paradox, right? I right. mean, it's, it, I say it's the main, it's, it's very wrong and it's bad. It's the most <laughs> famous, yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't know if you want me to explain that. Yes, or... go oh, for okay. it. I mean, I think most people know, but yeah. let's just, let's, let's give our specifics. Yeah, so the grandfather paradox, like super, super famous. It's essentially, you have a situation where you have an agent who wants to travel back in time to kill their infant grandfather before their infant grandfather meets their grandma and before they have their parents etc and the, the the familial line is is created and this time traveler uh, successfully makes a time machine and uh, that 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 part's not we don't need to go we into can the skip details. forward yes <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and then they that's travel, a given they travel back in time stand in front of their infant grandfather they have all the, the skills required. They have, they've been practicing with their gun. Conditions are perfect, is what Lewis says. And they point the, the gun at their infant grandfather. <laughs> Do not point guns at children, people. Or anyone. Uh, yeah, for that or anyone. <laughs> and then they uh, pull the trigger. And if, if they were successful, so speaking counterfactually, if they were to be successful, it would be the case that they would both be alive and not be alive at the same time because they they wouldn't have been alive assuming that that person that they did kill is their grandfather they would not be alive because they were never born right right but they would also be alive at the same time because they travel back in time to kill their infant grandfather so you have a contradiction you have a situation in which uh, something is not A and A at the same time. And those are those are impossible. You Incompatible, can't, yeah. You can't both be drinking coffee and not drinking coffee at the same time. Like <laughs> just just straight off the bat, contradictions are logically impossible. This is just assumed in time in, in, in philosophy. Like it's a logical right. principle. It's one of the foundational law of non-contradiction. And yes. if something entails that, if time travel entails that, then that thing like a fortiori is logically impossible. So if they have, if it has a, an logical impossibility in it, if it is contradictory in its nature, then the whole thing we can't. Right. We can't have contradictions. But, but here's where it it gets geeky and fun for me. And and tell me if you think this is sort of the wrong way to think about it. But here I say, okay, if if you, have you seen the show Continuum? No. Oh boy, I have some recommendations for you. What about okay. travelers? No, I haven't. Um, no, oh my goodness, I should have sent you a list before I before this interview. <laughs> there are some really good shows. Timeless. I have seen Timeless, but Timeless is really bad. It's it's it's. I mean, it's a great show, but the time travel is problematic. I will give you that. Yeah. I mean, most most shows are TV shows. I don't want to spoil Continuum, so I won't I won't speak about that in particular, but. If 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 it's the case that somebody goes back and successfully kills their grandfather and, and their infancy, then I say, okay, what is the what is the universe like where this actually can occur? And the the version that people usually go with is like, okay, you now split the timeline. Yeah, this okay. Is kind of back to the future ish. Yeah, a little bit. Although that's something. So I kind of want to avoid that because we are like that's just a cheap way out. 
Right. I hate that. That's that ad, is my least com- favorite version. That's completely ad hoc. You're, you, we don't know that that happens. We want to we wanna maintain consistent time travel in a universe that we know, i.e. one universe, right? Um, yeah. We don't want different timelines because like we don't need then it's them. not really it's not to me you're speaking my language because it always bothered me because it feels like a cheat because you're not actually changing the past you're creating a second future yeah and it's a different time you didn't actually save that person or change that that future of that because that still exists separately yeah and you know already has existed in some sense so this um, is this is the kind of issue that i had i don't know if you saw the last avengers <laughs> film I have, yes. Yeah, that's the big issue I had with The Last Avengers is that they, Infinite, was it Endgame or whatever, <laughs> it's, they, were, they went through all this talk about how they had to maintain consistency with their time travel and then they just like messed it all up because they went to multiverse and multi-timeline stuff and it, it made no sense. <laughs> well, I mean, at least they try, I, I, I think what they've tried to do is basically use stuff from the past but then bring it back so the timeline is kind of maintained yeah is that is that still like cheating i just it felt like cheating (laughs) to me when when i saw the end of that the part one infinity war i was just like the only way they're gonna do this is to change something and right or or to have some inconsistency in their time travel otherwise it just wouldn't work the 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 main take home from studying the philosophy of time travel is that like there is no situation in which you can maintain a consistent picture of time travel and in a and allow for ch- past being changed uh, or the future being changed under certain theories of time right so, so but so here here's so here uh, here here's the thing you are you an eternalist I right? am I'm a big eternalist yeah massive. and yet you be, and yet you believe in free will yeah doesn't eternalism mean that the past and the future already exist yeah isn't that determinism mm, this is mm-hmm. this is where things get interesting all right talk to me so I um, an eternalist compatibilist. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so just to like preface this, my whole PhD thesis is arguing for a compatibilism about free will that is consistent with the logical possibility of time travel. That is a tall order. It is a tall order. A lot of people say I can't do it, but it's happening. <laughs> for you but you. I, i'm not convinced yet so t- tell me more so the point is that although like there are things are fixed within like you still have the ability to do something even though you will not succeed in doing it and having that ability having that possibility this is what i'm arguing right is essentially what compatibilism is like you know even though an event a is fixed so even though you'll never succeed in killing your grandfather you still can you still have this ability and i'm arguing all about like dispositions and dispositionalism but that's like really boring and we won't go into that (laughs) because that's like super technical and uh, yeah there's a there's a strain of compatibilism who use dispositions and dispositionalism and analyses of dispositions to talk about the free will required to be a compatibilist and dispositions are like uncontroversially compatible with determinism because you can have unexercised dispositions like I can sure I'm disposed to drink coffee even if I like it's fixed that I will not drink coffee I still have that disposition so I I guess it it, no it it does it does I I I love it I I hopefully our audience won't won't lose us okay to me it, it does boil down to the definition of what free will could mean yeah totally if you have like the theoretical freedom to take an action, right? Like you're not prevented by the laws of physics or the absence of an object or or access to something. So in theory, you could do it, except that the universe is laid out such that you just happen to not going to be doing it. Yeah, totally. And and I think that like my my kind of interest in this aspect is like analyses of kind of can and what we mean by saying that you can do something because the the kind of the issue with can is is it's a modal property it means you know it's all about Mm -hmm. possibility and stuff 
And Lewis, in, in this paper, The Paradox of Time Travel, he, he specifically says that, uh, well, this is his solution to the grandfather paradox, right? He says that a time traveler both can and cannot kill their grandfather. They cannot right. because to successfully do so would be logically, prevent him yeah, from doing would be logically yeah. possible. But they can, under a different set of facts, facts about ability. And this isn't contradictory. It's not contradictory to say you can and cannot because you cannot under one set of facts, facts about consistency, constraints and stuff like that. But you can under a different set of facts. These do right. not overlap. And this, the can is, is kind of what I'm really interested in. These are facts about ability. So he specifically says that the grandfather, the, the time traveler has been practicing at the gun range every day <laughs> in, in the lead up to his, his time travel journey. He's a great shot. Conditions are perfect, right? The best money a rifle can buy. These are all kind of direct quotes <laughs> from, I've read that paper so many oh, times. <laughs> <laughs> and he says that because of this, under like normal intuitive aspects, elements of ability and how we talk about ability, he can, he just won't, right? He's just, and there's a dis- difference between can and won't, cannot yeah. and will not and whatever. So yeah, this is what I'm interested in. I'm taking so, that can yeah. and then I'm I'm saying like, okay, we can use that can as compatibilist can and we can say X, Y, Z. Right. And I'm talking about free will and stuff. So I, I, I want to take two examples. The second one will be, I know your favorite example of, time travel which is harry potter the oh, third, yeah. yeah harry potter the movie. Best. but the first the first example is the time machine like the the newer version i haven't seen the original yeah i uh, so i haven't I, I mean i'm really kind of out of myself <laughs> as, as not a fan but i i, I haven't seen it or read it and I, that's really bad because no, uh, I mean, it's interesting because that is actually an example. That is the first time where I saw a time travel movie where they resisted the urge to be able to change the past. But in order, I mean, that's that's where the story comes from. Yeah. It's not really the movies. But it, it was the first time that they tried to explain why you can't change the past. And I remember yeah. the first time I watched it, he goes, you know, spoilers, it's been out for a while. Everybody should know it. But if you haven't, go see it. His, his fiance dies. And he spends the next the next few years inventing time travel in order to go back and save her life. Yeah. And he goes back and he successfully saves her life, only to moments later for her to die again. Yeah. And then he and then he I think they skipped the montage. He basically says, "I can go back a thousand times and watch her die a thousand ways, and I will never be able to save her life." And so he goes to the future to try to find the answer of why can't he change the past. And the answer is the grandfather paradox in some sense where the thing that he's going to change, if he changes it and she doesn't die, he never going to end up inventing time time machine and going back and saving her. The first time I've, I've seen that, I thought that is the weirdest thing that he will successfully save her and she will die moments later anyway by some, you know, concoction of the universe, you know, steering things to kill her. But then eventually I think I've realized how it does make sense, even if it happens multiple times. Yeah. It happens, it, 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 she will die again because it already happened. Like the only way he could even go back in time and save her even momentarily is because it already unfolded such that he will again be able to go back in time. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I would probably, I would say to that, that I don't think he could, if in that original timeline, so, bef- you know, in his first, let's, his first time round, right? So say, how does, how does the, the fiance wife die? A, a mugger stabs her or shoots her. Okay, cool. So I would say that that has to happen every single time for it to be consistent. So I wouldn't, I would under kind of analyses of time travel in, in philosophy, events only happen once, right? So like even, you know, under eternalism, you can't change events. Events only happen once. So if she dies by a maga, right? And then he goes back in time and tries to save. It would have yeah. always been the case that this later version of this man had tried to save her, right? So in that first timeline, the man would have seen someone try to save his wife. Right. And because right. and because he doesn't, he... So 
So you like, I do like the, the version of time travel where I call it, where everything has already happened. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, you know, a prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. Right. The best. But doesn't that, doesn't that propose that, like the idea of a block universe where the universe kind of got created all at once, like all times, all moments in time from the beginning to the end to whatever, is already kind of an existing block of everything. Yeah, right? totally. Space yeah, and, events, and, and events, all events. So the way that I I like viewing it, and the way that I was taught it, and and I, I like <laughs> this this image of it is that you have. So the we in eternalism is a B theory of time. I, do you know the distinction between? Is it? The, is it the, the? It's not not the growing block universe, right? So like, no. So this is Jamie McTaggart, wonderful paper, nineteen oh eight called the unreality of time and he basically argued that time isn't real but he his kind of most famous thing is he split theories of time into two two theories so a theory and b theory a theories of time are things like presentism they use terms like past present and future they have a kind of like moving present Uh, right that only the present exists and you're like yeah you know Whereas B theories of time, they don't have this past, present and future. They just use like relations like earlier than and later than. And eternalism is a, is a B theory of time in that there, oh, isn't, okay. there isn't a past, there isn't a present, there isn't a future. Everything is kind of existing simultaneously. So just like the analogy I like to use is just like Australia is, and or America is in a different space to the UK, but equally real, the past and the future i'm doing scare quotes because we don't use this they, they correspond they they coexist yeah sort of. they're existing yeah. in a different temporal space but at the right. same time so things don't come into existence and things don't go out of existence you're just kind of walking into like a different area or yeah kind of but, temporal space but, but that to me really is is the definition of determinism because <laughs> it already exists and, and yes, it's uh, in time, like the past and the future is relative to one another, location in, spa- in, in time. But I, I will give you my version of if free will, again, there's the version of saying, you know, free will is really just like the, the difference between the feeling of an agency or voluntary versus involuntary action, right? Like yeah. if your hand twitches and you're not, you know, it's, it's not your experiential choice that you're moving your hand that's not people call that that that's you know not your free will to do it but everything else even though it's the feeling that you know you you might say it, you're determined to do this regardless you've already done it in the future so to speak if that's a yeah. way to say it but you feel like you're making that choice and that accounts for free will but the sticklers like me would say well it's already it's already quote unquote happened that in the future you will do x and y and there's no way to change that it's because it's already there. It already has happened. That to me removes the idea of free will. But if that freaks people out, I'll give you my my only comforting thing that I found when thinking about it. Because I've concluded, as far as I can tell right now, that we don't have free will, but that's somehow okay. And the and the metaphor I found is is going to a movie. When you go to the movie, the end of the movie has already been filmed and edited. It's already predetermined. And yet you still get to enjoy it. You still get to watch it and, and, and go through it and, and experience it for the first time, right? So despite the fact that you can't change the end of the movie, it's, it doesn't feel like, then what's the point? Because that, that's often people's reaction to like, well, if, if everything is determined, what's the point? Well, the point is that you still get to experience it. I don't know what you think about that, yeah. but that's my... Yeah, so the, the kind of what's the point attitude is, is kind of fatalism, right? You, you, it's, a, it's a kind of different strain. Yeah. And I think fatalism is, is, is very different to, to determinism. So that's why, this is why we have compatibilism, right? Like, I, I fully accept that the world is determined, but, you know, freedom is, is totally compatible with determinism, depending on which, which theory of compatibilism you you abide by i mean there's loads of different theories of compatibilism there's kind of reason responsiveness there's there's the one that i am which is dispositionalist and and then there's all the old strains like david (laughs) david hume and hobbes and john locke who are all wrong (laughs) Um, (laughs) bold words yeah Yeah, so i i mean i i (laughs) i I love you i'm sorry i I just love your attitude it's great (laughs) 
philosophers should be passionate, should be, you know, as long as you still are open to, you know, changing your mind in the future, just really go for it. Really, really yeah, you know, and, go with what and, your, your instincts. And like, I, I mean, I just, I don't think like I'm a, I'm a compatibilist in, in everyday life and I don't think time travel changes that. I don't think it makes it any worse. Like, I, I mean, the world is, is eternalist. You can have like, I always, I always, I already think that our timeline is eternalism or our, our right. theory of time is eternalism without even having to take into account time travel. So when we put time travel into the matter, that, that doesn't, I don't think that affects my views on compatibilism, my views on freedom. So let, let's talk about Harry Potter. Okay. And this, this is really a, a really well done version. I think it's hard to do a time travel movie where everything has already happened right? The way, in the way I, I phrase it, but where it's not obvious that time travel is, it's hard to hide the time travel if you're doing something like that. Yeah. Because every time you see suspicious things happening off camera, you're like, oh, that's them in the future or the past. And they're like doing something. Yeah. Uh, and they're not really hiding it in that one, but they're, it's, it's well aligned, I guess. Yeah, totally. And I have to preface this by saying that I don't, don't like J.K. Rowling, and I don't condone anything that she's doing. But this is a good example. You can of, separate the, uh, yeah, the creator from this, the creator. This is a good example okay. of of time traveling practice, and the time travel, the film version, is way better and way clearer than what. Because I I read that reread the books last year actually, and I, I was surprised because I've been studying the film for such a long time. I was surprised at how different they both were. And the film definitely does it a lot better, I think, because it's, it, it's more visual. It, it's easier to see. Um, it's my turn for blasphemy. I, I will admit I haven't read the book. That's fine. Like, <laughs> you them. They were definitely my my generation. Like um, I was born in ninety five, so they were they were kind of coming out and and yeah. whilst I was I was a, a child. But yeah, the, so the, it's rare. It's rare to hear that somebody says, "Oh, the movie did it better." Than oh the yeah, book. totally. Interesting. It's it's really good, and it's kind of like a perfect depiction of eternalist time and time travel in an eternalist universe. This isn't to say, like, I just I must say that like there are there's a load of cool stuff being written at the moment about time travel under different theories of time. So for mm-hmm. example, time travel under a theories of time, like presentism and the moving spotlight and growing block theories. But it's just kind of the most common one is eternalism. There's a lot of issues with with presentism and time travel and all those things. Right. So I mean I'm I'm not gonna give myself more work. <laughs> I'm just gonna <laughs> assume the easiest one. But Harry Potter well, is really good for, for this kind of stuff because you see the first time around, so earlier, Harry, Ron, Hermione, they, uh, I think the best one is, is, is when they're at Hagrid's hut yep. and they're talking about Buckbeak with Hagrid, Buckbeak's about to get killed and then the minister is coming down and Harry, Ron and Hermione don't notice that the minister is coming down and they have to kind of leave the hut because they're not supposed to be there. And then someone throws or something happens. You don't know if you don't know it's a person, right? But a, a stone right. gets thrown into Hagrid's heart and, and it alerts them to the, the minister. And I think one hits Harry on the head and it alerts them to the minister uh, coming down and they then proceed to leave. And you don't really think anything of it, right? If you haven't, if you right. don't know the story. If you ne- yes, exactly. You don't That's know the story. A, it's well done. Yeah. And then in the latter half of the, the film, you are. Uh, made aware that it is in fact Hermione who throws the rock that causes the three to be alerted to the minister's presence. Right. And I think that's particularly interesting because she's not like, she's not sat there like, I need to do exactly what I already did <laughs> to make this consistent. And I need to, so in, she, I, I mean, I'm not even sure she was aware that it was her who threw the rock. It's really well done in that. It's clear she's just kind of like, we're not leaving. Why aren't we leaving? That early. She's reacting naturally to yes. the situation. So she just kind of picks up a rock and throws it, and then, and I think that's but, really nice because it's. In, sorry, you. No, 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 no. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but but it does imply that you know, for a consistent version of time travel in the, in this universe, it has to like. There's no other way in which it can happen, mm. because and then then really 
something changes, like the whole timeline kind of changes. Yeah, but, and, but my kind of my kind of point here is that even though that she will always throw the rock, it doesn't necessarily mean that she can't not throw it, right? She still has that ability. She still has that capacity in her to, to not throw she, it. I don't, right, don't is, think that fixed event contradicts her abilities. Like to say that it just simply in virtue of traveling back in time she therefore loses her ability to refrain from throwing the rock is baffling to me. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's the time traveling that prevents her from not being able to make that that choice or to make a different choice. But I think the people's intuition with this is 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 a little off because in order to envision exactly what happened in, in that film, you have to imagine because we view events happening from the past one by one, and they lead to the future. Except that in this case, there is a moment in time before she travels back where she suddenly just appears out of nowhere with no like apparent previous condition, right? Except that that condition happens in the future. And it's the fact that we expect things to unravel in a certain sequence, right? Then we imagine that first there has to be a version where she hasn't, hasn't shown up and then she goes back. And then this version happened, the one that we end up seeing. That's people's intuition about time travel, that there has to be the first time around where she she never showed up. But if she has shown up to begin with always, every yeah. every time in this time, that implies like a block universe type of thing, which is, yeah. is my my vision of, of currently the vision of the universe. Yeah, same. In order to go back and change time, I came up with something that later I realized that, of course, I didn't come up with it because somebody thought about it. I called it a hyperblock universe, but I think somebody else has referred to it as hypertime. Hypertime, yeah. So that's like Van yeah. Wagen and Godu, maybe. I don't. I can't remember. But Peter Van Wagen did did a hypertime model. It's right. crazy. Which... Like hypertime makes no sense. And no, okay. <laughs> Stop trying I mean, to come we, up with like things to to get around the the fact that you can't change the past. Just accept it. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of take the version where the the past, quote unquote, has already been changed in a sense, but that is really the only version that ever happened. It's really not saying that you've changed the yeah, past. Yeah, no one changes anything. Yeah, you just do what has already <laughs> happened. Uh, and it's nice and consistent. Like you don't change anything. Hermione and, and Ron, oh, no, so Hermione the, and Harry were always there. They there is uh, not this event where there's not this timeline when they weren't there, and then they do the opposite time. Yeah, no, right. there's one timeline, and so the, the time so. travelers go back to that in time to that timeline and, and just kind of do do their thing. So I, I guess you don't like my version of, oh, somebody, something happens, somebody goes back to fix it, except they have to fix it in such a way that will still make sure that they go back and try to change it. Like in the example of the, the time machine where she dies, what if he goes back in time, saves her, but fakes her death such that it will cause him to go back in time and try to save her? Yeah, no. <laughs> That's a headache? Yeah, no, okay. Rejected. Um, no. Um, but yeah. that, that I, I understand, that implies a different universe than the one you're... Yeah, you're... totally. And, and I, I mean, like, okay, granted, maybe there are different timelines. Maybe we're in a branching university, these called right. branching universes. But I, I mean, I think it's... For philosophy and in general, we, you know, Occam's razor, right? You don't want to multiply entities beyond necessity. Right. So, so you're trying to make time travel work. Time travel works <laughs> in a single universe, in a single timeline. But only in a version where you can't change the past. If we want to. That's fine. <laughs> I don't, I don't know the, I don't understand. I think, I think it's a fascination, right? You, you, one, right. one likes to think that you can go back and, and change the past. But like time travel is perfectly logical and logically possible in a world. If you don't change the past. Yeah, but that's yeah. fine. Why, why, why is that a problem? Because I think people love time travel yeah, it's not... for, the re for, the, for the ability to change the past. And it does, I, I, I do acknowledge the danger of that if you can change the past, then you're you can mess with anything like nothing is you know but but the reason i like my version of this hyperblock universe where 
you can change the past, but it is extremely difficult and it is extremely limited because almost anything you can do will prevent you from going back and changing it. And it's not like branching timelines, and this gets really weird trying to even explain a hyperblock universe, at least my version of it, is, is that the entire, if we imagine the whole universe with every slice of time pre-existing, and that whole thing has an extra dimension where it, it can like evolve, right? That whole thing can, boy, it's, it's just very difficult to talk about these things conceptually. Yeah, no, totally. It's, I, um, my old podcast co-host did his undergraduate dissertation on hypertime and, and models of hypertime. Maybe I have, I, I just have a new, new guest coming on the podcast. Get him on. He's, he's, he's wonderful with that kind of stuff. I, I definitely limit myself to, because my, my job is already like complicated enough to make, make, make free will work in a single universe. There's no point in me trying to, trying to do that. It's, it's just too big of a project. And I, like, I accept that you can't change the past. I've, I've made my peace with it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's impressive. That's, you know, I haven't yeah. yet. So I'm still, I'm still working on it. Um, well, I mean, this is, this is great. This is my favorite kind of conversations. Yeah, cool. And I appreciate, despite the disagreements, and we'll, maybe one day we'll, we'll yeah. continue to sort yeah. that out. Um, but I'm glad people are like you who are, like, extremely enthusiastic. Yeah, I love it. It's cool to, because um, one of my big things, I, I really like what you're doing, Jay, is, is, is kind of bringing philosophy to, to public. Public-facing philosophy is, is, is something that I'm really, yeah. really interested in as well. It's why I love going on these, these podcasts and, and talking about it to people. Because I think especially, especially with time travel, it's, it's so accessible. Like everyone knows about it. Everyone's heard about time travel. Whereas if I told you I was doing the philosophy of, of I don't know, like parts and holes and mirrorology. You'd be like, why? <laughs> like universals in particular. You'd be like, that's so boring. Like, what are you doing? And uh, which is why time travel kind of lends itself to, to this kind of public face of philosophy. Yeah. Everyone's like, you study time travel? Like, what do you think of X or Y? Have you read this? Have you seen this? And then I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> and, then you, and then you go on to disappoint everybody yeah. by telling them they can't change the past. Like, it just destroy people's hope, <laughs> hopes and dreams. Uh, <laughs> sorry, everyone. You, it's a time travel is just not... Like, at least in, in the philosophy of time travel, in my discipline, it is not that sexy. Uh, you know, most, most films and TV shows get it wrong. And that makes me an uh, absolute pleasure at, at film viewings. And yes, like you're, you're, it's great at parties, as they say. I don't know if you've seen a film called Time Crimes. Yes. Oh, that's a that's a great one. That's probably um, I think on a level with Prisoner of Azkaban as, as the kind of best, most logically consistent time travel film. In fact, it's the most elaborate version of everything. Everything has already happened. Kind of spoilers. It's incredible and because i didn't i didn't see it coming like it's it is you know the whole movie goes uh unfolds and you're it's what it's well done it's really well done it's so good like i i watched it a couple of years ago because my supervisor is like you have to you have to watch this film let me the dvd oh, and yes. everything oh, and um i went and watched it and i was like this is incredible like this is so wonderfully done but also like a really entertaining time travel film that still captures the philosophical essence of time travel and, and what i do and and stuff so you can make good content without having to change the past <laughs> any film people listen but it, like live live approved, uh, you know, uh, time travel movies. Yes, I tried to watch. Um, what's it called? Predestination. Well, I watched Predestination. That's. Did you enjoy it? Aside from the mind bendiness of of the of what happens in the yeah. film, like, that is it. One that at least in some bizarre way, despite the impossibilities of it, tries to stay consistent. I liked it. I, I mean, have you read the the short story? No, but I do love uh, Robert. Heinlein in general. Yeah, the short story is really, really good as well. All you zombies? Yeah, it's really good. Uh, I liked it. I was kind of left a bit like, huh? Um, what is the like really small budget time travel film that makes no sense? Oh, um, you know it. Wait, what? To give me, give me something from the movie. Ah, uh, oh my god! So they go into these like boxes in. Oh, oh, like, oh! Uh, primer. Like, 
Yeah, primer. Oh my god, made no sense. <laughs> my my my, we, my supervisor and I have tried to like um do a diagram or like to try and and there's a bunch online. It's a mess. Yeah, it's an absolute mess, and I just don't think I, like we've come to the conclusion that we just don't think it works. Like it's. I, I like that, and it works up to a point, and then it gets insanely messy in a way that I was yeah. like, I'm not even sure what you were going for. I still love the film because. It was one of the first attempts that I've seen yeah. of like, how would this work? Like if we could allow it in reality, like just technically without like magic time travel, right? Like without yeah. like fantasy. Um, I thought that was cool. And then it just, it goes off the rails in some, in some yeah, way. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but it's still for a small budget film, it's well done. Yeah, I think Primer, Predestination, and Time Crimes are like three of the best time travel films that I've, I've seen. And, and obviously the third Harry Potter, I've yet to see kind of like the, well, I've seen like, you know, the Back to the Futures and 12 Monkeys. And... Well, isn't 12 Monkeys consistent in this way? It's really good. This, it's a really good film. The TV show was crazier. I, you probably haven't seen it. I haven't seen. It's still somewhat enjoyable, but it's it's it completely like okay. it goes, goes in other directions, uh, crazy directions. But I will I will I have a list to send you of, of you know, please do movies and TV shows that will annoy you uh, in their time traveliness. I need to see Dark. That's something that I haven't seen. Oh, my my my, my partner what like watched it without me, and I was just like, "Why are you watching this without me in our flat?" Yeah, I, I'm. I would break up with someone over something like this. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to mess with your relationship. No, but I, I I dark is something else. It's one. It's it's just mesmerizing the way it's filmed, the way it's made. Yeah. Um, and it's in German, and I, I watch. You know what for me is foreign films and stuff uh, often enough but it's just it, it it's it's elaborate it's messy yeah. and yet it's still just remarkable I'm, I'm curious what you'll think of it yeah i need to i need yeah. sure and there's no loads of um interesting time travel stuff coming out or, or like recent more recent stuff at the moment which is cool but i'm just i'm just stuck watching the u.s office at the moment like <laughs> <laughs> Not what, not a bad way to pass the time in a pandemic, but yeah. maybe we'll we'll need to uh, uh, fill in our gaps and do a, a part two uh, one day. In the yeah, future. let's totally do that. Like we could just watch all the all the films and then just awesome. discuss them all. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Well, lived. Uh, thank you for coming on. This has been like a pleasure. I absolutely love this and enjoy it. So, and and thank you for doing what you're doing in 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 philosophy to the masses more and more one podcast at a time or one <laughs> one blog post at a time and and uh, making it fun and interesting with with time travel well thank you so much for for having me on like i this is this is what i enjoy doing like, i Wonderful. love talk, talking about time travel to people who will listen anyone who will listen <laughs> like it's philosophy is really cool i promise you it's not super boring <laughs> um, i haven't yeah. i haven't found many people who uh who resist a, a good conversation about time yeah travel, so it's it's a good topic to to be doing, and I'm very lucky that it, I fell into it, and I'm still doing it, and I get to do a PhD about it. Which I am I am fully envious now, but uh, at least I get to at least I get to do a podcast and talk to someone like yeah, you. Yeah, so. totally, and and we yeah we should definitely do a part two and, and follow like up on on any questions that you may get about this. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you, Liv. Um, and no uh, until next time, right? Yeah, definitely. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. For the show notes and more episodes, you can go to citizenphilosophy.com. And if you want to support this podcast, go to citizenphilosophy.com slash support. And until next time, thank you for listening.